0: It's time. It's
1: Gustle's time. <laughs> is that the tornado siren sound? Am I doing it right, or is that the submarine? No, it's sound? higher
0: pitch.
1: Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's terrifying sounding. Yeah, I don't miss that sound at all.
0: To me, it's home, so it was
1: fine. That's so. Here's. It's like a rooster crowing.
0: That's right. I, we were unsure if um, we were going to be able to record today because we had a tornado warning here in Dallas a, a few hours ago, <laughs> like a mere few hours ago. Mm. Uh, yeah, I was doing a Zoom session with someone and getting ready to leave, and uh, I, I got the notification on my phone. I mean, it had been raining and storming, but, you know, it's spring. Yeah. And yeah. It's, <laughs> so. it's what it does. It's, um, it's a thing. And it's... all of a sudden, it just, like bounced on my phone tornado warning take cover immediately so here's the thing <laughs> usually there's a tornado watch first that i can <laughs> it's, it's, ignore
1: completely I think we, we uh skipped it <laughs> we skipped an important step here uh the part right. where i ignore the watch
0: yeah that's totally what so if, for those who don't know there's there's a tornado watch which means the conditions are right for a tornado be careful. Just know
1: means, that the means one are that right. a, a tornado could pop up at any time in a certain region, right? And then yeah,
0: it has to deal with pressure levels and yeah. you know. Anyway, and tornado uh, warning
1: means that one has been spotted, that they've seen yeah. rotation, and that it's probably been spotted on the ground. It means like one of their one of their radars has caught it or whatever. So it means like, hey, there's a tornado, and it's probably it's near like you. Legit
0: a tornado. Fucking
1: take cover. Yes.
0: And so when that happens, there's a couple of things that they'll do. One of the biggest is the tornado siren goes off. Uh-huh. And those are stationed throughout the any area. If you if you are in tornado areas, you will know them.
1: And they are um, loud. they're huge loud
0: sirens. Uh, we're not terribly close to one, so it's it's not blaring in our face. They kind of sound um, like
1: nineteen like circa 1930s air raid sirens.
0: That's I mean that's pretty much what they are.
1: Yeah, it's it's tr- so
0: for me it's in, very in unsettling. Texas, Yeah. In Texas, they test them on the first Wednesday of every month Mm. at noon.
1: Unless it is cloudy. And then they don't because they Mm -hmm. don't want people to think there's actually, they only will do it if it's perfectly sunny, I've noticed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, in Oklahoma, growing up, they test their sirens every single Saturday at noon. (laughs) Cloudy, sunny, it doesn't fucking matter. You're getting that siren at noon. It is standard. So, like when I would play, go play outside in the morning on Saturday morning, you'd watch cartoons and you go outside and play. Um, we did that as children. It's not as common these days. No. But
1: no. What's outside? Kidnappings
0: were more prevalent, and also our parents were willing to let that happen to get us out of the house. So, <laughs> we would go play, and then it was always come home at noon for lunch. To check in or whatever, and that's when the sirens went off. You had until the sirens finished to get home. <laughs>
1: and that's <laughs> that's the, the rules. check-in sirens.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was. Fuck. I mean, it was nice. It was nice to have.
1: Something so did to, the tornado to touch down to. near you? Did you uh, did you see or hear anything? I mean, obviously you wouldn't have seen I it because you were taken. I hear
0: that it was in. It's it it maybe touched down in um like over by the Park Cities area. Oh, so not too far away. Maybe yeah, a not, mile or two not away. Not very far at all. But, yeah, we still took, like, it was a warning. So I did what any good Oklahoman would do. I went outside, um, <laughs> made some decisions. <laughs> I looked out the windows multiple times to see if I could see anything.
2: <laughs> and then it was finally
0: like. It's what you doing?" And then it. You know? Yeah, it came on the alarm. My uh, security alarm started blaring at too, and it was like, oh, my God, okay. I felt like we were being yelled at. <laughs> so then it was like, well, now we got to get comfortable under the stairs and have the flashlights and get the dogs and the blankets and somewhere something to sit on. And so we did that and sat under there for about 45 minutes. 30 minutes? 30 minutes probably. And then I was like, how do we know when it's over? And then I looked online and— <laughs> Um Emily was like, "Oh, it's over. I'm coming out of my tub." And I was like, "Oh, okay. I can I can get out of my stairs. We we Here. get under the stairs." So the what you want to do, for those who are curious, is you get to the lowest point. So mm-hmm. underground is preferred, but the low the lowest of so first floor if you can, center of your home. So you want as many yeah. walls between you as many and the interior walls as possible. as
1: possible between you. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because that's more walls that have to be destroyed before it gets to you. Yeah. Bathtubs are great places if you're in um, apartments. Yeah. You can put, you know, cover yourself with a bathtub. But Preferably the bathtub no window works
1: or glass door nearby because if that blows out or something. yeah, It's, it's, it's uh, yeah. The best place, like if you're in a public building, the best place is usually the bathroom.
0: Yeah. The problem sometimes with that is flooding. You Mm. can have flooding if you can't get out of the flooding. Sometimes. Um, So you want to make sure wherever you are, um, if there's a a flash flood, you can crawl up um, in in a public place because sometimes that happens. For us, our (laughs) downstairs, under our stairs— our washer and dryer is down there, too. but it is also a very large area. like it's a pantry that leads into the downstairs. So if yeah, our it's water a tank nice were to little makeshift something...
1: panic room kind of, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, nice. it's nice. you got snacks in there. It's we do <laughs> it's a little it's a little uh, it would be like a clubhouse. If you were a kid, it's like, this is perfect. This is perfect. Oh, yeah, tell When scary the girls stories get in ready there. for
0: tornadoes. They are delighted. it's fun They're it's fun. De- I kind they of miss
1: that. so we we had a similar yeah. thing. You know, we had a similar room in the house I grew up in. And my dad, being very, very into like tornadoes and storms and stuff, He used to be a storm watcher um and that was his hobby he was just super into it. And so he'd be out there he'd be like, yeah, there'd be like one cloud in the sky, and he'd be like, six hours from now, there might be a <laughs> yeah. tornado. And he was usually right. So we'd kind of go in there, but we'd make it a thing because we were just, you just get so used to it. Like uh, any Mm -hmm. of our friends that move to Texas or Oklahoma from out of state or anywhere in Tornado Alley from out of state are always shocked at how nonchalant we are about tornadoes. We're just kind of like, yeah, I mean, you know, you just got to do it. We don't really freak out because that's just their part of life. Uh, I should, I should hasten to add, since we were talking about safety, if you are in your car and you see a Mm. tornado, um, stop your car pull it over, um, stop your car, get the fuck out, and get to the lowest point possible. Do not ever try to outrun a tornado because wherever you think it is, it's going a lot faster than it looks from a distance, and it can also turn on a dime and and go right for you and you're fucked. So don't ever, ever, if you're in your car and you see a tornado anywhere near you, you stop your fucking car right then, and I mean right fucking then, wherever you are, you get out and you take shelter. Don't fucking uh, stay in well, your car. And, it, and the
0: thing is, sheltered is relative, right? Like, if you're out in a field, shelter is the ditch.
1: Yeah, that's the or shelter. it's just laying Do down not, in the field. If there's no ditch, lay yeah. down in the field. Like, get as low yeah. as possible. Um, because, and that doesn't mean that you're not going to get sucked up by the tornado. Hopefully you won't. But uh, the reason you want to get low is for debris. You want to, like, debris.
0: Stay out of the way of debris. What
1: gets most people in a tornado who get injured or killed is the debris. Because, like, the fucking winds are such force that a fucking piece of straw from a broom can pierce your fucking heart. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. So, like, you have to get low so that you're out well, of the path Well, a ditch is
0: good, too, of, because the uh, wind debris. might not dip down. Mm-hmm. So a ditch is good because that wind might be straight across the yeah. And so it might not dip down into you um, and sweep you away. But do not ever, ever, and I know you've seen it in movies, don't get under an overpass
1: no there's that even that is, famous video of the of the family that did that and they yeah. survived miraculously but that's one of the worst fucking places you could try to yeah. take shelter in a tornado because it's like the because of the vortex it creates in that little area yep. it can fucking rip it's like rip a you tornado to within
0: a tornado yeah
1: don't oh, do it don't do it
0: i remember watching that tornado thing scene from um superman
1: mm-hmm.
0: right and uh uh and I was in Oklahoma watching it. And when they went to go get under the overpass, the whole theater was like, what? Because <laughs> everybody knew you'd do that. Everyone we from Texas, so Oklahoma, mad. and
1: Kansas were like, no, oh, fuck no, that. Oh
0: God, no, what are you doing? This movie just yeah, lost yeah,
1: yeah. all credibility. Yeah, forget kryptonite and, you know, the fucking planet and Superman being an alien that's powered by the sun. That, yeah. that lost me.
0: <laughs> That's ridiculous. You uh, don't get under an overpass, no. so don't do that either. Uh, yeah. So that that was uh, that was just a few hours ago. Now I'm having a little glass of champagne. You've
1: earned, to, it. You've uh, earned celebrate it. You Celebrate my, you did all, my you did all, second you were, floor still being here. You were you were safe. You were safe, and I'm it glad you're, you're you're with. For us. now, we have
0: a, ye- a year, a week of storms coming. So, I mean, I love it. I mean, I love a good thunderstorm. It's so.
1: cloudy here in LA. Well, it's it's nice. kind of overcast and a little chilly. So. Hmm. yeah see, there's no drama there's no the weather's never a story. It's just not a story here. Oh, it was fear smiled. Um, <laughs> fear, smiled. I, fear smiled I love it
0: I love it. um,
1: but tornado waiting out of tornado is a great great time for telling spooky stories,
0: oh, yeah, so
1: shall it is. we get into it?
0: yeah, let's do it.
1: Let's do it. Am I starting? you're starting you're st- right. so here we
0: have your're starting. You have a medium-sized story. I'm going. I have a very long story that I've been dying to read, but oh I was God. saving it for a good good one. And this is our hundredth Ghosticles episode.
1: Really? Holy shit, yeah. I didn't even know. Holy fuck. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's Wow. Great. And Happy hundredth, so, everybody. Um, <laughs> this yeah. is our second hundredth. <laughs> it's our
0: second hundredth where we've done nothing. Um, and then you're we had finishing a tornado. up. You're finishing up with a maybe not, Haunted but still haunting story.
1: Ah, okay, I love it. Okay, so let's yeah. start. The first story comes from a Frankie. Frankie says, "Hi, Jamie and Michael. So I submitted stories under a previous name, but as that is now my dead name, you can just call me Frankie. Awesome. Well, hello, Frankie. We're glad to know you. Uh, I sent in a story about the Bachelor's Grove and my friends doing a Ouija board game on a gravestone. Well." I have a new one for you. I live in the state of R-Kansas. <laughs> they spelled it out like R-Kansas. Uh, R-Kansas. <laughs> America, explain. Uh, <laughs> uh, I live in the state of Arkansas now, though I don't have to be happy about it. <laughs> no, you don't. No,
0: you don't. Um, no fun... one would ever assume that. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> fun fact about the South, back roads, lots of them. So many, in fact, uh, that's uh, that we all use to travel. Well, one night we were driving to my mom's house Can for I a visit. I just, real
0: quick, I just <sighs> want a fun fact about the South for Frankie. Arkansas is not the South. Okay, as you were. <laughs> I
1: mean, it's not, I counted as, the, what is it? It's not. I don't it's, count it. I counted it as it's Midwest. the South. Midwest. Is it Midwest? Midwest? It's like yeah. low. It's so low Midwest, it might as well be South. I've always thought of it as the South.
0: No, I feel like that low, like all your low states, so... Texas kind of counts, but it's also Southwest, so it's middle ground. But then you have Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia; those are traditional Southern. North Carolina, South Carolina, like that kind of wrap. I mean, I guess directionally,
1: it's yeah, ma- your 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 argument makes sense, but culturally. There's not a lot of difference here's between difference. Arkansas and other, like, very, very traditionally southern states.
0: Here's here's the difference for me. You know what I'm not going to Arkansas for? Grits. You know what I'm not going to Arkansas for? Catfish. You know what I'm not going to Arkansas for? Southern things.
1: Uh, you know what I'm not going to Arkansas for? Anything. Anything. So, <laughs> we're so sorry, Frankie. Anyway, I just needed to Well, Frankie said they don't that. want to be happy about it, and and you, you That's don't, true. Frankie. And
0: um, you're... She's more Southern than she was.
1: I still think Arkansas counts as Southern because that's, I mean, that's, you know, Bill Clinton territory. So it's like, hey, how are you doing? I just, to me, it's Southern, but... Well, that's true. It's, it's, you know, it's a gray area. Anyway, fun fact about the South, back roads, lots of them, so many, in fact, and we're all used to traveling them. So, well, one night we were driving to my mom's house for a visit. She moved down shortly after I did. As we were driving, it was around 7 p.m., uh, sometime in March So the sun was almost set It was a beautiful twilight evening And we were about to uh, get fucked up On a $11 boxed wine Respectable <laughs> South. I like it um, Very southern We drove to a crossroad And it started to get darker um, On the side was a woman walking She was wearing bell bottoms and a crop top It was still too cold out And I was concerned that her car had broken down And she was walking to the nearest gas station No less than 14 miles either way I didn't remember seeing any cars with emergency lights on, but I figured I just hadn't been paying attention. I told my friend to pull over so we could see if she needed help, to which she replied, I'm not getting myself into any Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit. <laughs> <laughs> I or, like that spirit. Or Arkansas Chainsaw Massacre shit. Mm. I rolled my eyes because this, that was the funniest thing I've ever heard, but I couldn't give her that satisfaction of me laughing. I mean, we're best friends, I swear. <laughs> Ultimately, we pulled over and asked if she needed help. The woman never spoke. She just nodded yes. I told her she could hop in the back. We'd turn up the heat so she can get warm and take her to get gas or help or whatever she needed. Still not speaking, she climbed into the back seat. I introduced myself and my friend. Just smiled nicely. She's always very suspicious. <laughs> Don't be. We drove in sil- Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. We drove in silence <laughs> for a while until I finally decided to ask how far back her car was. When I turned around, uh, the back seat was empty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't say anything to my friend. Instead, silently screamed in my head for about 10 minutes. I get it. Uh, when we saw the sign for a shell station in a few miles, I decided to speak. We definitely picked someone up, right? Without missing a beat, my friend replied, "Uh, this is why we don't stop.
0: (laughs) I feel like this is a story of you and I in a different
1: universe. (laughs) It really sounds like it, right? We still use those back roads, and I'd be lying if I said I don't keep an eye out for Bellbottom's girl. Uh, Haven't seen her again since, uh, but haven't seen her again, but I'm driving. uh, But I'm driving on the next time we do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Smart, smart, smart. Yeah. Oh, no! uh, well, oh, if no, I'm did I But if I'm driving. But if I'm driving, then, oh, I, I missed. Okay, sorry. I, the page break was odd uh, on my end. Having seen her again, I haven't seen her again. Uh but if I'm driving the next time we do, I will be stopping again.
0: Yeah. That sounds more like you. I was that like, is That is me. I'd sound be like, like I you. have questions oh. this
1: time. I'm gonna now that this I is the ghost.
0: Not what you would do in that universe. <laughs> it's
1: not at what all me. D- this is de-
0: <laughs> that's definitely what you would do. Uh, in this I universe. I definitely
1: feel like Frankie and I have the same energy when it comes to like phantom hitchhikers. I'd be like, it's gotta be a phantom hitchhiker, let's pick them up.
0: Phantom. I love a phantom, phantom. hitchhiker story. They're so good. Um I think that you should do some research into anything that happened on that highway. Yes. Uh, disappeared you know, women yeah. that have disappeared or something like that, um, on that highway that especially. I mean like the 70s, the bell like bottoms on early. the crop
1: the crop top make me think sixties, seventies, early eighties, and that was a pretty yeah. uh, that was a ripe time for serial killers that love to travel interstates.
0: They loved they still do. Oh,
1: they still do, but that fair. was that was kind of their golden era if if we can call right. it that. So yeah. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, ooh. makes me wonder.
0: Carissa's going to know the answer to that by Carissa, next
1: Carissa, Carissa's already <laughs> furiously typing away. <laughs> I can, I can hear it from here.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. So this one, I'm going to stand up for this one because this chair makes me hot. You
1: got to stand up.
0: Stand up, Luda. Hold on. Oh, okay. That's better. It's also a metal chair. And my butt yeah I you know I,
1: you'll notice there haven't been squeaks in all the past few episodes from my chair. Because you're all standing as well. I'm standing swimming. now because I've that right. fucking chair. It makes me sound like I weigh 500 Just pounds. S-
0: I, you would know if I was doing squats while I'm standing because you could hear my knees creak. <laughs> uh,
1: so. You'd also disappear out of frame.
0: That's true. Just stand. <laughs> um, baby squats. Baby squats. Okay. Whoa. So
1: Whoa.
0: this I'm super excited about.
1: Okay, okay. This
0: was sent in by someone who refers to themselves as Yolo Dummy.
1: <laughs> don't be suspicious. Don't be so,
0: no. You can't see that we both dance during that. We both start like really so,
1: down. Don't so, no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. So. Hello to the fantabulous Jamie Markey and the illustrious Mr. J. Michael Tatum. Oh, I
1: saw illustrious, and I saw, I read the word as the illustrated Mr. J. Michael Tatum, and I was like, I like that. Can I be the illustrated J. Michael Tatum? You can be. The annotated J. Michael Tatum. I'll be
0: animated Jamie Markey, and you'd be the illustrator.
1: (laughs) I love it. Ray Bradbury's the illustrated Tatum. Sorry, go on. Perfect. Okay.
0: I've been a fan of the both of you for several years, (gasps) but only just... (laughs) I gotta not do this. So yesterday, we're going, we're getting sidetracked, sidetracked. We're, okay, so everybody's talking about that Resident Evil game, the village, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon's playing it right now. I can't play them. I get too scared, and it stresses me out. So I like it when Jack plays and I can watch. (laughs) But Jack doesn't want to play it till he does the three. We did two and Mm, loved it, the remake, right? And so we haven't done three, so we started three, and we we have a rule that I read all of the signs that do anything that they read. And so I do it all in transatlantic. And so everything is like, you, you've you got to make sure to mix this phone with this fib. And make sure it, it'll be very healthy that way. All right. <laughs> next time, dude. Yeah, so that's what I do. And so it's very hard not to I jump right into. I've been a fan of both of you.
1: I've been a of both of you for several years, but Seven only years, just, but only recently, just learned recently learned that you guys are doing a podcast together. i I'm would sorry.
0: Imagine my surprise. Yeah, so <laughs> one day, one day we'll do an entire podcast like that. It'll be amazing.
1: Oh, uh, yes. It'll be
0: annoying, but we would love it. It'll be great. We'll
1: <laughs> so... score it with, we'll with old fashioned film music. Yeah, right? Like that news of the, um, like newsreel it music. It will make
0: sense why that is completely the wrong accent here in a second. Um, (laughs) We're doing a podcast together. Okay. Imagine my surprise when I heard the grocery or this story. I don't know where grocery even came from. Imagine my surprise when I heard the story (laughs) from an Indian fan on your Ghosticles episode. Indians are fucking everywhere. Now, at this point, those of us in the United States might be thinking Native Americans and that this is offensive. No. (laughs) No. Indians from India. I just want to set that <laughs> record yeah, straight it, right now because it took me a little bit of time reading this yeah. to not be offended.
1: Right? Okay. That's an actual, <laughs>
0: like, actual, animals. native, oh, Indians. Oh, yeah, they <laughs> are everywhere. Indians, yeah. They are. It's great. I love it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I support it. Um, uh, bring bring me your personalities and your food. <laughs> so for a while, I debated if I should send in <laughs> my story, since I am also an Indian with a few college hostel ghost tales of my own too. But uh, I hesitated. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> I thought there was no way you were going to believe any of my stories. On the surface, they are so absurd that they almost seem entirely fabricated. At least that's what I've been told over and over and over again. What changed my mind was yesterday's Q&A episode that I just finished listening to. I've been sitting on this one for a while. I I don't know if I mentioned that. (laughs) I feel like this episode is calling to me. (laughs) It gives me a sense of relief to learn that you guys don't outright reject personal testimonies, regardless of how improbable they might seemingly be. If you have any doubts about the existence of magic and cursed objects, this... Might make you reevaluate that position. I
1: think. Ooh, challenge accepted.
0: Uh-huh. Oh, it's so good. Um, unlike the previous Indian listener, I won't preemptively apologize for any grammatical mistakes since I don't share Mister Tatum Tatum's enthusiasm for the Brits or their <laughs> language. #Hashtag Sorry Not Sorry.
1: <laughs> you know what? I uh, I have no argument. That's that's uh, yep, that's it's fucking fair. fair. Like,
0: <laughs> it's fair
1: and reasonable. It's exceptionally um, reasonable. <laughs> yeah.
0: But you know what's funny though is I'm the one who gets more like oh, about commas and shit. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> commas and apostrophes and pluralizations, hanged versus hung. Like that's me.
1: To my, uh, <laughs> to, in my defense, I really only like English when it's written by women or Irish people. That's, <laughs> Those are my favorite that's writers. A really...
0: It's a really fucking strong defense, I'll tell you that. I'm
1: just saying. I'm like, I like what other people do with the English language. <laughs> Those colonizing fucks can go fuck themselves? Sure, whatever. They can colonize yeah, their I mean, own ass. Sorry. Go on. I'm sorry. I just wanted right. to say that. I'm like, I, you know. That's
0: <laughs> you know, Look, there's a lot of weird guilt that's happening right now. So much. Uh, so-, so much. <laughs> My story dates what feels like... Uh, Uh, a century back to where I was pursuing my bachelor's degree in science. Let me first describe the district that I was living in before I dive headfirst into the story. Since it was a hill station, it was fairly it was a fairly, fairly popular tourist spot. I remember moving into the district for the first time and wondering if I'd walked into the sets of freaking Twilight or something. Hmm. It was an expectations versus reality moment for me as the naive 17-year-old me expected a pic- picturesque spot like you would often see in the corny songs of Bollywood romance films. <laughs> I should have remembered that hill stations are great locations for horror flicks, too. No. The weather was depressingly dark and dull. I thought I could fairly estimate just how miserable and boring it could possibly get in the autumn and winter months. No, it was exponentially worse. There were certain times in the year when you wouldn't see the sun for weeks at a time. Commuters would walk to work or or school in the dark and then return home in the dark. The clouds looked like big, ugly blobs of gray, deformed meat. Ew. <laughs> I'd heard of winter blues before. Uh it's there. I've discovered that monsoon blues was a thing. I think my mind uh, took the down and downpour too seriously and just ran with it. Oh. Hence that's real. it's that's no real. surprise. Yeah, it's real. Uh hence it's no surprise that the rates of people going bonkers or taking their own lives were alarmingly high there. If you are inclined to have having depressive episodes, it's the last place I would advise you to move into. Mm. The district has had rumors of witchcraft and necromancy for eons and continues to do so even now. It has a violent history of women being lynched on accusations of being witches. Whether these women were actually responsible for the supposedly heinous things they were accused of doing is well, Open to popular debate. And if the stories of long-residing townspeople are to be believed, newer generations of their families have continued to carry on their legacy in secrecy. Others, however, have opined that many of these women were actually innocent. And it is the feelings of intense malice, hatred, and vengeance that the souls of these women felt towards the town people that have accumulated and brought upon misfortunes, ill health, and mysterious accidents. It's a good movie, right? It's such a good good.
1: movie. I love it. I I hate (laughs) it, but I love it. Back to (laughs) my personal story. Yeah. Oh.
0: Back to me and my personal story. (laughs) This off-campus hostel that I was residing in was about 40 minutes away from the heart of the district. It was situated at the foot of a supposedly cursed hill. The government did try to beautify and develop this particular hill into a tourist circuit, but abandoned its plan following a tragic accident in the 90s when a bus packed with foreign tourists plunged from atop the hill and into the valley. The town teemed with self-proclaimed religious gurus who led worshippers and prayers to ward off the witches that apparently lurked in the mountains. We were told, in no uncertain terms, to never go up the hill or else something bad would happen. I think it was my third semester when I returned home from college to find this tiny little box dangling on my backpack with a thin braided red and black nylon thread. It didn't belong to my roommate, and it sure as fuck didn't belong to me either. I cut the thread, held the box in my hands, and for a while just stared at it in silence. It looked like it had seen better years and was now on its last legs. I should have called my classmates to ask if they were playing a prank on me. I should have waited for my roommate. I definitely should have known better than to inspect it, but I did none of those things. I went YOLO, (laughs) unclasped the box (laughs) with more force than necessary, and peered inside. Nothing. How anticlimactic. Whatever, I tossed the box aside and kind of forgot about it for the rest of the day. That night, I saw her again. There was this woman that I'd been dreaming about for months. She wasn't scary, usually. She would just hang around in the background of my dreams, not doing anything in particular. She wasn't even a named side character. All she did was walla. (laughs) She was (laughs) speaking our language. Um... Walla's background. It's like the extras for voiceovers. It's true. Um, she was always there for no reason, out of focus, but there. But the night I found the box, her status got promoted to that of the main character. In my dream, I was walking on a trail up that hill, and she was following me with the agility of a cat stalking its prey. For some reason, I stopped by an un- abandoned hut. I knew it wasn't real, but in my dream, I don't know why it felt so lifelike, so vivid. Something in my gut said that something belonged, something that belonged to me was in there, that I had to go there to retrieve it. But if I did, I would be hurt. I kept asking myself, what is in there? I don't understand, but I need to get it. A pair of arms sneaked around my waist, and the thing whispered into my ear, your voice is in there. Your soul will be next. I tried to scream, but my voice would not come out. It was still in that fucking hut, after all. I kept running downhill, but no matter how hard I ran and ran and ran, I could not reach the bottom. The entire time, that thing was straddling me with its arms wrapped around me. When I woke up, hot tears stung my eyes. My body was all sweaty, and guess what? I actually lost my voice. <gasps> Every time I tried to speak, I sounded like a chain smoker straining my vocal cords. So I had to resign myself to communicating with everyone through texts, which wasn't something the boomer, uh, which which wasn't something <laughs> the boomer witch considered. <laughs> it was 2013, Next she'll Karen. would me more in if that you... box. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> what... they said. It was 2013, Karen. You'd have hurt me more if you'd possessed my phone. <laughs> For a while, I tried to work my way around being voiceless and tried to convince myself it was all a coincidence. However, a week passed. I still hadn't gotten my voice back and thus had to miss a semester or seminar that I was supposed to be graded on. My professor was convinced I was faking it and told me that if my condition was real, I needed medical attention immediately. I was having a text conversation with my roommate, and her eyes went to that box concealed under my mattress. She inquired what it was. I told her everything and joked, maybe that thing is cursed or something. She looked at me like I were the biggest moron on the planet. Dumbass, she texted. Everyone in this town knows that if you see things you'd never seen before, you're not supposed to touch it. You don't speak to strangers you don't know well. Then she made me uh, recollect everything, recollect everything, The woman in my dreams, the specific details of what she looked like, the trail on the hill, so on and so forth. We must visit the local Dargah right now. We can't Uh wait any longer. At this point, I think I should point out that my roommate was a non-practicing Christian and I a non-practicing Buddhist. In India, it is impossible to separate our identities from the faith we're born into. Mm -hmm. While a Dargah has its roots in Islam, it is a non-communal place of worship and prayer where people of all faiths are welcome. A local priest heard our story and examined that box from afar intently. You are right, he said to my roommate. It really is cursed. He pointed at the inscriptions on the box. These are all incantations in the Urdu language. Urdu? Urdu?
1: I think it's, I think Urdu. it's Urdu or Urdu. Urdu? I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure.
0: Urdu. U-R-D-U language. This black magic steals the life energy of the person who touches the box. You didn't open it, did you? Whoopsie, so much for that YOLO spirit. (laughs) Sounds (laughs) to me like you're
1: making sure, YOLO.
0: Yeah, YOLO, (laughs) you sound like one of us is what I'm saying.
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) Since my roommate had touched the box, she too was cursed now, apparently. The man then directed us to do something everyone else had specifically told us not to do. Go up the hill. Mm. He told us about a specific spot where you could find two different kinds of flowers. One flower was pink and the other was yellow. I think the former was the Indian azalea, a flower that the locals believed attracted evil energy. The other's name, I honestly don't remember. The other apparently repelled evil energy. Each one of us was instructed to hold two flowers of the yellow kind and one flower of the pink kind. We were asked not to say anything on the entire way up or back and to come back before sunset. If the flowers wilted, or were dropped for whatever reason, we had to go back to pick another fresh batch of flowers. He asked his daughter, let's say her name is Sakina, to accompany us on our journey. Sakina was a woman in her late 20s. She was a soft-spoken woman, but she warned us sternly not to say anything no matter what we saw or heard the entire way. Honestly, if not the seriousness of the situation, I would have enjoyed our little trek. The place was to die for, Literally. People had actually died after visiting that place. <laughs> we claimed our flowers and started making our way back. Well, this was too easy, huh? I thought. For a while, this feeling of triumph flooded my veins, only to soon be replaced by the feeling of dread that was all too familiar. What is this? I know this. i felt this before. This is just like that dream. This trail looks just like the one from my dream, too. And then... I saw her. <clears throat> it was that woman. <laughs> There's a lot of si- fucking shit. God damn it. Fuck. That's, what mis- that's what I would say. That's a lot, what these yes, symbols.
1: Uh, yes, yeah. a lot of cursing. A lot of uh, text euphemisms.
0: Yeah. I don't know when and how this woman materialized out of thin air and started walking ahead of us. I looked at my roommate and saw her face turn pale. She had seen her too. She looked at me in horror as if to ask, is it her? It's her, right? I nodded. We both kept walking, putting our heads down, trying to ignore the woman as much as we could. We tried to slow her pace, but the woman would just keep closing the distance between us. There reached a point when the woman walked just right beside us. I lifted my head and tried to sneak a peek at her. YOLO spirit, am I right? (laughs) Sakina shouted, No, don't look. Keep walking. Don't make any sound with your mouth. You do not make any eye contact, both of you. As the town came into our view, we heard the footsteps of the woman gradually lose us. Once we were well within the perimeters of the town, we were allowed to look back. She was gone. Once we were back, Sakina asked both of us to chew on something that she'd concocted with the flower filaments and then spit it out. While my roommate did the same with ease, I coughed while doing so, like like crazy. Bile rose to my throat, and I threw up something incredibly icky-looking on the floor. Sakina made a face, said, ew, and assured me that all was fine now. She told me that the next time I found something like a, like that box, I should bring it to her immediately, and she'd help me discard it. Luckily... The only other times I went back to the Darga was with my friends when I was cursed with bad grades. I prayed to the Holy Spirits <laughs> to help me ward off my laziness and tendency to procrastinate ever so often. Sadly, I never found out who tied that box to backpack, to my backpack in the first place. I'm going to end my story here as I have realized that it's gotten very, very long. While I have more experiences there, the, uh, there's another one that stands out in particular. Would you be interested to know more? Anyways, I don't know about you guys, but I personally am convinced that curses are a thing, having experienced the effects of myself and all, of it myself and all. Wishing you all good health and happiness. Get vaxxed and take care. We did. Wow. We We did.
1: We are vaxxed. Isn't that amazing? That's a full on. That was a full on quest. I love that. It was. That that followed the the hero's journey arc. I love that. That that I was fucking. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, you don't. I mean, I get it, though. Haunted items show up. You just i peep the whole rule. Don't mm-hmm. touch it. It's like it's hard to abide by that rule. I want to know. I want to know more. Yeah, I well, know. Ironically, YOLO is often an argument for why you shouldn't do what you're usually about to do. <laughs> right. It's like you shouldn't do that because you it's... probably only live once. Also, that's funny. Yeah. Very funny for a uh, <laughs> non-practicing Buddhist to say YOLO. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, to it's me, good stuff.
0: But... Um, yeah, I love it, and I am partial to uh, stories that are not from the states, from places that do have a more solid belief in mythology, I think, where the belief is there, that there's more power there for the you know. Well, there's a different there's a different cultural in.
1: interpretation uh, for what's going on because it's just accepted, you know. And so there's there's yeah. deeper there are deeper roots in how people process it here. You know, I think uh, in the states at least, everything's fucking demons now because people <laughs> are so. Because I think there are two ways you can look at a personal spooky experience or a paranormal experience. You can either discount it mm-hmm. entirely because oh that did not fit within a worldview so it's all bullshit or but but that leaves this space for the conversation to get hijacked by the by the fucking weirdos on the other opposite end of the spectrum. they're like it's demon everything demon I do not claim this bad energy from this TikTok. like all then it's like and it's just yeah. like great so are, it can't are we all a, be. There we were assholes. Very...
0: If they were assholes in life, they're probably assholes in death, and just, that's how their ghosts are—just yeah, assholes. Yeah. Don't give them that kind of power.
1: And they may and be also, demons. I'm not saying there's but, no such thing as a demon, but they can't be fucking everything. I mean, to some, to some fundamentalists—and no offense to to anyone that identifies as such—but like, man, y'all, y'all see demons. everywhere. maybe, maybe it's, it's you. True. Um, anyway, and also,
0: let's just talk <laughs> historically. Historically. Mm. Um, When did they become geniuses that were all-knowing and all-powerful? Because 100, 200 years ago, that's not how they were. That's not historically accurate. They were foolish, and you could trick them. They could be tricksters, but you could also out-trick them. And so it's less scary when you think, oh, you know, I, I can trick them. 'Cause they're yeah.
1: I, I get the fall I get, for my tricks. I get so impatient with the demon interpretation. Well, with, with any kind of fundamentalist Christian interpretation because of my own personal history with that ideology. So of course it's right. you know, it's informed by my own distaste by for By the own, that. by the
0: demon that lives inside you.
1: <laughs> yeah, that likes to fuck men. <laughs> um <laughs> It's, it's my I mean, favorite uh, demon! My, my, <laughs> mine too. Uh, there's also the demon that likes to drink gin. I'm not sure why mm. the demons have to rhyme, but they do.
0: I love that uh, you're a demon.
1: My demons fuck it's men and drinks gin.
0: Uh, <laughs> what if it's a gin? What if your demon is a gin that makes you want to drink gin? It's rain and gin.
1: Anyway, so uh, but <laughs> the point is, like, are they because because we don't really have in America, you know, we don't seem to have A very healthy uh, dialogue about paranormal Mm. uh, uh, phenomenon anymore. That that they're kind of that our response to having these sorts of experiences as a culture, not individually, but as a culture, tends to be very superficial. People are like either, oh, "Oh, it's it's Venus, (laughs) or it's a demon, and I'm like, I feel like. I, what's I find so attractive about uh, the relationship other much, much older and richer cultures have to the idea of the paranormal is they are very in touch with their roots. And so there there's just mm-hmm. a lot of – there's a lot of more interpretive nuance to the experience, which I think helps process what you've been through and also puts it in a context where you can roll it up into your view of the world.
0: Absolutely. Well, because it's Well, I mean, when you think about – all of those places have such, like you said, history. There's a mythology back to it. You know, like when we talked about the puka in Ireland mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. everybody, everybody believed in the puka. Not everybody believed in ghosts, but no, everybody was like, like, fuck oh, that puka. Yeah,
2: po- right, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, puka's problem. Puka's...
0: <laughs> so, you know, that mythology comes into place, but Americans don't have a lot of mythology because um, uh, they murdered everybody that had the mythology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so— it is, you know, we That's have a lot weird. of Native American, you know, um, there's Native American mythology, uh, which could could have have been shared with us, but, you know, the mur- then then the murdering happened, and yeah. so they abandon they abandon
1: European culture because they were like it's not strict enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And then they well, fled and to,
1: th- and then they fled to America, where well, they're like, "We don't like this culture because it's it's not what we know." So it's too like,
0: brown.
1: Like we as white yeah. people escaped tyranny, religious tyranny in their own homelands, so they could inflict religious tyranny upon people in someone else's. Exactly, and, and it is a
0: shame because we missed out on a mythology that we could have had. Yeah, um, you know, and it's, well, it's, it's still, growing. It, I would say you know, like there, there's, there's been a body it, of and...
1: there's been a body of scholarship. In the past hundred years or so, that has started. Are you saying it's a
0: school of thought?
1: (laughs) It's a school. school, There's a body of scholarship. Well, like the the great, the great mythologist (laughs) Joseph Campbell. You know, not a lot of people associate him uh, with. You know, he made strident efforts in his lifetime to explore native various various native tribe, uh, tribal belief systems and worldviews, and to really, uh, you know, bring them to a broader public. And uh, no, m- people don't really know that about him. But he really kind of, you know, he he's sort of brought um, a level of sort of scholarship and legitimacy, though I hate mm-hmm. using that word, uh, to to this these studies which they hadn't had before, which is really good. So I mean, yeah. But that's the thing, Americans. We're just uh, there's so it's a complicated country. But it's it's a complicated country. But our our response to paranormal things. Tends to be extraordinarily superficial in one direction or right. the other. It's either we're we're skeptical to the point of being dogmatic, or we are <laughs> faithful to the point of being scared of our own fucking shadow.
0: Yeah, and it's well, like and there's no com- in between.
1: Combined.
0: We've combined yeah. mythologies, right? So badly, if, you know, but yes. there's native <laughs> Native mythology mixed into some stuff. Um, hoodoo, hoodoo's major, especially here, yeah. uh, you know, in Texas and Louisiana. And, you know that those areas of the south hood is <laughs> so, much more prevalent.
1: makes so me think of my friend that I used to work out with who was very very Christian um uh, and, and 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 a very good example of a good Christian like he was just a really genuinely sweet good-natured person who wanted good things for people and would go out of his way. Like I think the fact that he identified as Christian was incidental. I don't think that made him a good person. I think he was just a really good person that just found a home within that ideology. But he wasn't very studied in it, you know, and that was probably, mm. probably why he was such a good person because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he didn't get bogged down in all these weird contradictory de- details, uh, in the faith. But <laughs> we were talking once about, cause I would pick his brain about his thoughts on God and angels and demons. And cause you know, we, we were, he was into the subject and, and we would have these very lively, but very good natured debates. And one time he was, he was opening up to me about his own, like, and he was like, well, it's like this Bible story. And, I, very, and he was, he was selling it as a Bible story that I'm like, I don't remember that story. I mean, And I, I, you know, I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty sure I remember that story. That would come up. And I suddenly realized, oh, my God, that's an episode of Dragon Ball that he's mixed up (gasps) with a... (laughs) And I told him that. And he was like, holy shit, you're fucking right. That's totally from Dragon Ball.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's what that would be. Oh, my God.
1: Oh, my God. That's...
0: Amazing.
1: But that's just, that's it tells truly... you that the human imagination is alive and well and constantly kind of cannibalizing various, various, uh, faiths for, <laughs> for, yeah. for its own ends without even realizing it. And that's something yeah. America is very good at be... is like just kind of creating its own weird mythology out of whole cloth and mistaking it for something that's been around for a very long time when it fucking right. hasn't, you guys. In fucking it fucking hasn't. <laughs> yeah.
0: Voodoo's definitely got a very old,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, base around it. But, um, you know, I think that's why. We're drawn to a lot of different types of of mythology and different mm-hmm. cultures and stuff like that. Um, and why, if someone's sending me a story like this that is uh, from not the states, I'm more likely to believe it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> because same because it's same. just a different
0: mythology and a well, different I also belief think that, system.
1: That I think you know that person probably comes equipped with with. Um a better vocabulary of experience to come with because they haven't been conditioned Mm. to dismiss it or to over-interpret it as one particular thing because they, you know, the culture is more, I don't want to say accepting of it because I don't want to pass, I don't want to make that judgment on a culture. They just believe they they have a much stronger, uh, much more uh, um, interestingly... A uh, complicated and supported belief system behind yeah. that experience, so it's like they're not. It's not as doesn't mean the experience is any less jarring, but it's like it's not as disorienting. I would imagine right. because it's like oh, there's a precedent for this, and I've encountered it before in some form, just never personally. Yeah. And we don't we don't have that in the states. Our, our only no. I mean, we have, I we have horror movies. And, I believe. And,
0: mm. Yeah, I believe that belief p- gives things power.
1: Oh, absolutely, belief absolutely does. I do. So I think. So, that.
0: Yeah, if your entire if wherever you're from believes as a whole that pukas are real, mm-hmm. guess what? They're gonna be real <laughs> because well, enough I people think, believe I think, it, it. You know, it's I real. Think
1: we give power. What's well, reality? I think the phenomenon exists, and I think it happens to wear whatever garb our belief. Mm-hmm. System gives it. Whether we're aware that I mean, in other words, the experience, a paranormal experience, is part real, independent thing. Like a a real, in my view, uh, a paranormal experience is often a component of two parts. Like it's composed of two parts. One is like there's an independent phenomenon that is going on, and like independent of your imagination, and then Mm -hmm. there's then there's the details that your imagination fills in. to give it some kind of frame of reference, because when when our brain encounters something that is like that, what the fuck is that? It's it's gonna try to draw comparisons with what Paradoli. we already know. Paradole paradoilies. paradolees
0: paradolees. Paradoli.
1: Uh, yeah, and so I think, but yeah, so and it's and I think sometimes uh, you know we've talked about this before. Sometimes these mm-hmm. entities, entities in fact, they are, and I think they are. They they're really good at playing the part. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they they like it. I mean, we're, they're actors in a way.
0: <laughs> That's right. They're That's like, why we oh. love they, them. They,
1: they're they're um, actors and they play to their audience.
0: It would be interesting, too, to see, you know, maybe we can do this, um, how, because, you know, you have the turn of the 20th century mm-hmm. um, with a lot of seances, a lot of belief in ghosts and yep. spirits and yep. stuff like that. There wasn't a lot of demonology at the time, not nearly as much as ghosts. And at some point there was a transition, and I like to think it's probably 60s, 70s that it, and maybe Hollywood had a lot to do with that. Um, but there was a transition from ghosts and spirits to demons, and you know that there's no ghosts; it's only demons. That kind of the
1: well during the spiritualist mentality. movement, and this is this is a quick history lesson, and I'll try to be quick about it. But like during the spiritualist movement, there was a lot of debate as to what spirits were, and that was right. uh, Madame Blavatsky herself. Um, you know, who was a huge, huge influence on occult thinking of the 20th century, she disagreed with spiritualism. She was like, you know, spiritualists tended to believe um, almost, you know, to a person that every spirit they were sp- speaking to was a deceased person, a deceased human mm. being who was caught between worlds for to, to, to try to f- fulfill some mission or because they were lost or whatever. They were just around, mm-hmm. but they were people. They were former people. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Blavatsky... Very much disagreed. For her, she thought spirits were a whole other different class of entity that were capable of fooling uh, the living into believing they were deceased loved ones and whatnot, and that they were often just trickster figures. Not necessarily evil, but kind of, you know chaotic neutral
0: <laughs> yeah right uh,
1: and that they just they were tricksters they love to have fun with people so they kind of fucked with stuff which explains a lot of you know seances and like how it would be like oh what well, that's supposed to be my aunt Edna but that's funny why would Edna say that like you know Ed, Ed Edna would give me all these all this information that only Aunt Edna could have known and I definitely felt like I was talking to Aunt Edna but then she closed it off by just farting into the mic um you know that's right. not Aunt Edna but like uh, that kind of I mean I'm, I'm exaggerating but aunt that Edna kind of
0: didn't fart
1: but that kind of weirdness would happen. Yeah. It's like the like it's like spirits in Blavatsky's view, and not just hers. But she was the the chief, like the most public proponent of spirits, as like no spirits are not to be trusted, and they're not your deceased loved ones or something else. And then mm-hmm. you know, sometime in the during the age of Aquarius and the '60s and all that, when people began to, uh, when young people, especially to hippies and whatnot, started kind of digging into occult history, which was alive and well, but it was occult, so not a lot of people knew. But you had to do digging. You know, this was before social net- networking and and. Uh, Right. <laughs> the internet and well, stuff. Well, there were a
0: lot of evils happening at the time, right? You had Vietnam. There were. There you, were. You know, Korean, Vietnam, all of these, these wars uh, the, were happening the, that were Sharon, evils. The the Tate, Bianca
1: murders, you know, Nixon, yeah. all. It was a really evil. rough, rough, rough time. And uh, but so anyone that was wanting to dig into the history, the recent history of a cult, you know, uh, uh, Schools of thought, there, there, are you happy? Um, would find <laughs> would find thinkers like Crowley, who who loved playing the devil, like that was his thing. Crowley was like a Bond villain; he wanted to be the bad guy. Like he wasn't. A, I think Crowley was actually just full of shit, but um, probably very well. I shouldn't say that. Crawley, like, he embraced the role of wickedest man in the world and, like, really played the part because he loved scaring the straights. He just fucking lived for it. And so he became, like, the evil guru, now long dead. Uh, for people. And then, so, and then you had movies, then, you know, you had hauntings, you know, like the Hannityville horror things like that where it's like the, the ghosts, the stories behind the, the hauntings became darker. Like, oh, the, someone was murdered here. Someone was, and they, and the, but the murders were recent. Like, oh, this is a crazy motherfucker who's on drugs, which was a very real concern at the time, and he killed his whole family. Mm-hmm. And so, so it brought the idea of ghosts, whereas before a ghost might be a deceased loved one contacting you in a seance, or it might be someone who was murdered by her, her lover on the staircase in this Victorian mansion 200 years before or whatever, you know, now it was much more immediate. And I think it just took on a negative cast and eventually people started, you know, and then there was mass turning back to old time religion, which was really a brand new religion we just fucking made up. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Well, and now, I mean, murdered by her lover is far less romantic.
1: (laughs) <laughs> it's never been romantic, but you know right. what I mean. But, but, you yeah, but that, now, that like, that but, but now we know. Idea
0: of oh, this she was she, you know, my,
1: my yeah. love her lover. Oh, lover. Love love that love was her. like that was an aspirational thing. But anyway, that this, this became a whole yeah. thing, and I, I didn't mean to run us off on this tangent. But that was a really good story. Thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank we you. love um, it. Thanks
0: for the conversation that brought that up. Too.
1: Yeah, I hope yeah. the rest of you
0: enjoyed it because this is what we do. This is, this right. is
1: what we do. Okay, next one comes from Ash. Uh, Yay! Yay, Ash! Hi, Jamie and Michael. Not sure if this counts as a ghost story. But there's definitely a creepy factor to it that I thought you might enjoy. Oh, definitely. Uh, Chris and I were talking about strange family history stuff, and I realized I hadn't shared this one. I'm also sending along a couple of photographs to go along with the story. Check your email, it might end up in the spam folder. And oh, I've seen, yeah, and I saw the, the, yeah, the photos. Saw They're, so saw cool. They're so cool. I love it. In many cultures, Ash says, there is a belief that an owner's emotional energy can be imprinted upon their most cherished objects. Some also believe this is how places and things become haunted the transfer of powerful emotions into an object, a location, or a structure. In fact, there's a whole science around the concept that certain objects hold onto special psychological uh, significance, that we somehow might imbue these things with a piece of ourselves that lingers long after the object itself has outlived its original purpose. I I believe that. I myself believe that. I think that's very true because I've had that experience with stuff, especially if if you're an actor and you've ever used a prop uh, that Mm. belonged to someone else and you just get this weird relationship to it. Also, the story of... um, uh, Of Ruth Sephora doing the improv with the doll, and but that's yeah, yeah, I remember that. Props,
0: costuming, yeah,
1: objects definitely. I mean, I don't know, I I don't know how it works, but I I believe it just from experience. Uh, My best friend wrote their master's thesis on the emotional energy left in textile objects, so I'm a little better acquainted with this than most. I helped transcribe some notes for their research, and uh, I was their test audience when they practiced their thesis defense. Their thesis focused on how an object, for example, an an upholstered chair passed down through the generations, can hold on to this kind of psychological energy. Textiles are things made from cloth, or even better, because they stay close to our skin, and we handle them immediately. Ooh, ooh, I hadn't thought of that, but that makes perfect sense. Our clothing, our blankets, even our pillows and stuffed animals. These things, experience our emotions, and hear all of our secrets. Their research was pretty interesting stuff. So naturally, while they were working on their thesis, I recounted the story of one of my own most cherished objects. It's a sweet story for me, but I fully acknowledge that my perspective is a bit skewed. <laughs> Looking at it from outside, perhaps it's a little less than normal, and maybe I shouldn't have been surprised when my friend responded with, uh, Hey, that's neat, but kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> um, my object is a small blanket. It's a square of quilted fabric in pale blue roughly three feet on each side. The edges are finished with a silky binding. Once, it had little blue flowers on one side, but they've long since faded away into tiny shapeless splotches. Now, it's threadbare or Now it's threadbare and worn through in, many, uh, in a few spots. No wonder, though, it's a little older than I am and I'm just shy of 40. Maybe it's a little peculiar for someone my age to still have their baby blanket, but this one is special, in part because it wasn't my baby blanket to begin with. Let me go back and explain. This was the early 80s, and I was my parents' first child. My mother had a rough time after she went to labor with me. Hours passed by, yet nothing was happening the way it was supposed to. Staying in bed wasn't working, so the nurses made her walk up and down the ward to try and move things along. Trudging aimlessly along the hospital corridor, she met another expectant mother in similar straits, going through labor and having a very difficult time. Trapped in the mindless exercise, they stuck up a friendship while commiserating over their endless, awkward waddling. (laughs) It's always (laughs) such so evocative. I love it. Ash, I love your writing. Um, As the clock approached the 24th hour of labor, God, 24 hours, Jesus. It was becoming clear. That's not bad. I mean, I just can't imagine. Oh God! It was becoming clear that a natural childbirth just wasn't going to happen. The doctors gave in and delivered uh, delivered me via C-section. I was finally born in the early morning in the middle of May. My mom's new friend, however, did not fare as well. Tragically, she lost her own baby around the same time. As my mom tells it, oof, right? As my mom tells it, we were in the hospital for several days while she recovered from the C-section. But before my parents took me home, the other woman approached her. She gave my mom a gift, the blanket that had been intended for her baby, who didn't make it. My parents took me home, wrapped in that blanket. They could have turned her down. They could have taken it to be polite and thrown it out, or donated it to the church, or just put it away somewhere to be forgotten, but they didn't. I've had that baby blanket with me since that day, and as far back as I can remember, I've always known the story behind it. My parents never hid the truth of where that blanket came from, and it's never bothered me. I also had the blanket my mom actually made for me, but I never had the sort of connection to that one. uh, The same sort of connection to that one. The blue blanket was my touchstone, my my source of comfort when I was stressed or upset. It was the blanket I spread out to play on and the blanket I cried onto or into every time I was sad. It's soaked up four decades uh, of emotions. For the longest time, I didn't understand why other people might think it was creepy that I had a dead baby's blanket. It always had just been mine, and I'd kept it long after one would normally put such things away. There's another interesting fact to this story. When I was born, my parents were expecting me to be a boy. Much to their surprise, I was assigned female at birth. As I matured, it became clear that I'm non-binary. I'm most comfortable falling somewhere between genders. The baby that my mom's brief friend in the hospital lost, it had been a little boy. I do wonder if part of his potential imprinted on me as I was struggling to enter this world at the same time he was leaving it. I don't feel as if I'm two people inhabiting one body, but maybe I'm sharing a soul with someone who left too soon. His baby blanket is the tangible thing that connects us, an object saturated with an expectant mother's love, touched by grief and loss, and passed on to another living child who continued to hold it in memory and use it for comfort. So, yeah... I've been carrying around a dead, boys bl- a dead baby boy's blanket my entire life. Some folks might call it creepy, but it's never felt that way to me. That blanket is close to 40 years old now. It's worn and threadbare and growing fragile, but still very deeply loved. I may have to try and repair or restore it, or perhaps transform it if I want, to con- if I want it to continue to survive. Unfortunately, nothing lasts forever. For now, it still lays next to the pillow on my side of the bed, as it has since I was only a few days old can't fully explain why it holds such a deep connection for me, even now. I just know that it's important to me. Oh So fucking God. Good. What a <laughs> such st- a ah, what a story. I feel yeah. that. I really feel that. man.
0: Yeah. Um, and Ash too, if you want to share that on the Twitters, I will retweet it. Same. Yeah, wow. if you want to. Um, that's such picture. a beautiful
1: story. And I don't think it's creepy at all. Yeah. I, I don't I don't in...
0: either. I didn't feel like that at all,
1: yeah. and I, guess I think I, it
0: was a very sweet I, yeah. gesture from a devastated mother. Like I can't imagine having that much compassion for someone else in such a in such a awful place, right? So I think it says a lot for that mother.
1: And how noble of Ash's yeah. parents to actually accept the gift and use it and as use it was intended, it and not and just it. have it be a meaningless gesture. Like that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. And I and I get that. You know, I, I myself as a surviving twin you know i mm. I don't uh, I don't have an object that was ever intended for both of us or him and not me, but I do have one of his names, and that is yeah. that's something that I've always known, and it's just yeah it's there it's and it's weird and I, I you know kind of like Ash, I don't really feel like I'm two people in one body, but I definitely feel connected to mm. someone that's not here uh, and I have yeah. my whole life and it's hard to explain, but I have you know, it's it's very strange. So I have a really, um, yeah, I get, I totally get that, and I I believe the object thing, I really do. I don't know how mm-hmm. it works. I'd be fascinated to read uh, Ash's friend's thesis, um, and and hear their defense of it. You know, if if, <laughs> if if there's a record anywhere, but I'm I I believe that shit wholeheartedly. I mean, objects mm-hmm. do. I mean, as as late as recently, I should say, as the '70s or '80s, there was a documentary done by the BBC about like to test out this theory if if you know bricks from old buildings could hold memories of events that had gone on there and and you know I, i've never seen the documentary but it speaks to um, <laughs> the sort of climate of the time intellectually that you know the bbc would sink money into a documentary about something seemingly so odd so that yeah, that right. belief has been with us a very very long time and i mean that's the whole point like Object permanent, the concept of object permanence is a milestone for a developing mind. And it is is huge. And so the idea that once we kind of get that in place that like, okay, this coffee mug is still a coffee mug when I'm not looking at it. It still exists when it's not right in front of me. It's not a far cry to say... You know, for the brain to assume that, yeah, well, just you know this everything that has touched this this coffee mug or whoever like put their energy into it or whatever, like that's still around too. and i I believe that energy is not is neither created nor destroyed. Yep. um it's yep. just transferred it's... or changed or whatever. and so absolutely
0: I... well, and I think too, there's you know, um I guess the for perspective, anybody who's ever been told to go get a switch knows what that switch looks like. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's you, object permanence.
1: You should make some of our <laughs> some of our listeners will not know what you mean. They'll switch, like switch, like like no, like, like, like streaming. No, no, a, no. You go and you get a stick, so your parents or your grandparents can beat you with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. dark, dark you time in that, the history of child and rearing. And you know, but anybody who has that know what knows what that switch looks like. They have it. It's there, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. is is uh, that kind of energy that is supported by that. Right. Is you can't get, I mean, that is, it's, it's can't not be connected. That's why I think there's so many quote haunted items. I think it's just, there's a lot of items that are still holding the energy of what either happened around it or on it or whatever. Well, sometimes um, you can
1: feel it, you know, when you walk yeah. into a room and you just feel like, man, this, I don't know what it is about this room, whether it's the lighting or the temperature, but something is off here. And then you find out later that you just walked into, a a room where like not an hour before someone had been having a major argument you know I've had that experience where I'm like I I could feel the heaviness in the room and I didn't really I had no clue what had happened but I walked into this room and it might be a room that you know very well but for some reason something just before you got there it happened that was out of the norm and a little intense and you could feel it going in actors actors you know in my experience definitely feel that kind of thing because that's what it's why that's why one performance will be different Uh, from one moment to the next because the energy is constantly changing and we're very, very attuned to it Uh, sometimes. Well, and it
0: gets you, you know, if you think about two instinct involved in all of that, Mm -hmm. right? Your instinct picks up on stuff like that. When you walk into a space, and, you know, this happens a lot, (laughs) with uh, uh, women in particular, but a Mm -hmm. lot of people, Um, you walk into a space and you have a feeling like you need to get out now. It is an overwhelming, all-encompassing feeling that a lot of times, like we've been trained to think, oh, this is wrong. I'm wrong. And inevitably we're not wrong. Yeah. Right. (laughs) We need to get out of that space. Um, Talking to this person is a bad idea. I need to not talk to this person. And then you do it and you realize it was a bad idea. And
1: and men it, these, are
0: the instincts, I think where instincts lie is where that energy is. It's picking up on that energy mm-hmm. of what what has happened, what intentions might be, what the history of an object or a person might be. And and your instincts will communicate that to you before you'll ever pick up on it. Yeah. That's why you gotta listen to your instincts.
1: Exactly, because your brain your brain is always processing things secondhand. It has mm-hmm. to, like but it comes through the body first, and your body is so your body is a finely fucking tuned instrument that's picking up on a thousand fucking stimuli that your brain cannot get or understand. That it only that it only comes when the body kind of gives it to the brain and the brain makes it work. But the brain, like you learn this in, in acting classes too, like you have to act from the body, because the brain the brain's yeah. the brain's not present. The brain's not designed to be present. It's always thinking about what just happened or what's about to happen. Yeah. Um, If you ever try to, so if you try to meditate, the brain tries to stop, the brain don't like being present. It doesn't like it. It wants to be in the past or present where it feels like it's in control. Um, You know, and if you try to make it present, man, it will, God, suddenly your fucking foot starts itching or (laughs) your butt cheek hurts. I'm like, where's it come from? I'm just trying to meditate. The brain doesn't fucking like it. And yeah, I, I'm. I'm just fascinated by it. Sorry, we could. This is a whole episode in and of itself. I know, but like, it's a so whole thing. Ash, yeah. that was a fucking I mean, great story. Thank you story. so much. Great story. Man, this I miss week, Ash and everybody. Carissa so much. When are we gonna get I to see understand. our friends again?
0: You know what I did this weekend? I went to see our friends, Tyson and Sarah, and I had oh. brunch. It was so nice. Like, I went to someone else's house. Oh. And. Uh, it was amazing. I really. I really enjoyed it. It was really nice. Also, food good Sarah's a great cook. So. Oh, yes, she's <laughs> an
1: amazing fucking but cook. You, I miss yeah. them too.
0: I know. <sighs> I, it was it was great. It was really nice to just see people again. Yeah. So, hoping for more of that. But Soon. anyway, thank Soon. you guys keep sending in your stories. Please. Thank you patrons. We have our first chat for the month next week. At yeah. four Central. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll be talking to everybody on the Discord. Um you can go to the patreon um dot .com Google intentions. All page. the things. If you would like to join and have chats with us as well, we have a good time. There's also a couple D&D groups that enjoy themselves. So <laughs> <they're>, they <laughs> so flagrantly cool. enjoy themselves. I really do. Um, <laughs> it's ridiculous. From all over, which I love. Um, just all, you know, different parts of the world, people are playing DD together and I <laughs> love it.
1: It's greatness.
0: So, um, but thank you guys so much. This has been a really awesome Ghosticles episode yeah. number 100. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah.
1: proud of this episode. I'm I proud am of it.
0: Too. It's a good one. Um so until next time, stay safe.
1: <sighs> stay sane.
0: And remember It's okay
1: to it's sleep, okay to sleep, with, sleep the with the lights on. on. Just be careful if there's a tornado out. <laughs> <laughs>